Beloved in the Lord, grace and peace is ours through our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I mentioned earlier that the, um, this, the Easter is the culmination of a, a season in the church here that many churches follow. Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, the Episcopal Church, the Methodist Church, the Presbyterian Church. We call it Lent. Six weeks of thinking about Jesus' last days, his whole life and his last days suffering for us. We at our church have a Wednesday night service only during those six weeks. And um, we have different staff, not just me as a pastor. And uh, we have different men stand up and preach God's word to us on Wednesday night. So I was one Wednesday night sitting out in the pew with a very special friend of mine, Felipe, who uh, has been, become a special part of our family. And I was there with him listening to the service. And he's six years old. He's sitting right out there. And uh, the service was coming close to an end. Service about 45 minutes long. The attention span of a six-year-old is about 60 seconds, maybe 90 at a time. And so you get poked and prodded a lot. And usually, toward the end of a service, if a six-year-old boy is poking you in the side and asking for your attention, he's either A, got to go to the bathroom, or B, he's asking what? Is it over? (laughs) <laughs> so as he was prodding me, I was ready for one of those boyish questions. And out of his heart came a very manly question. Because of what was being said up front, because of what he was hearing in the hymns, he got the message that our pastor Dan was proclaiming that Jesus Christ was still alive while we were talking about him living 2,000 years ago and dying on a cross, and we don't see him walking around with us. And this is what he said. He, he kind of took a breath. Is Jesus still alive? Even a six-year-old boy knows that people don't die and then come back to life. <laughs> it's unreasonable. And from the very first preachers the, the the apostles that went out and talked about their savior they were struck by how many people would say you're crazy that's foolishness and by the way where is he if he rose from the dead and you have to know that every year and for me it's been about 24 coming out here on easter morning to a, a larger crowd than people that i'm used to being with me, not knowing where you're all coming from and what your paradigm is for filtering life, I have some anxiety standing up here and saying, He's alive! When I can't show you Jesus Christ coming out of the grave. Because I know you're thinking people, even a six-year-old knows people don't do that. What is so telling about the story in the Bible is that his dearest friends were just like Felipe. As much as he had told them, and all the miracles they had seen in his three-year ministry, the fact that he would be alive on that morning was far from their mind. So Mary Magdalene first said, Somebody's stolen his body. 
And the two disciples that were in the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, Peter and John, ran to the tomb, and they at first did not believe. But then they saw those grave clothes, and they believed. But the man, John, who wrote about him running to the tomb said, We did not at that moment believe because the Scripture had told us so. That's what I read. But later that evening, Jesus appeared to his disciples. They were behind locked doors. They were afraid they'd be arrested like he had been, and that he appeared to them. And when he appeared to them, he said, Peace be with you. Go and proclaim to the world that my death was a death for all sins and all people are redeemed. And go and tell them they're forgiven. God loves them. But one of them wasn't there. His name was Thomas. Poor guy gets the adjective for the rest of life on planet Earth, doubting Thomas. He wasn't different than you and me. He wasn't different than Felipe or me or you or Mary, Magdalene or the rest of the disciples. He just was late to the party. And it says here, I'm going to read to you these first couple lines. It says that his friends kept telling him. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples on Easter evening when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. In the original, it's, it's a continual action. They kept trying to tell him, Thomas, we saw him. Because Thomas kept going, I'm not so sure. And let me explain a little bit we know why Thomas might be thinking that way, besides of everything I've already said about human nature. Thomas was all in. In the story of Jesus' life, there's a time when Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and they're going to hand me over to the Romans and they're going to, they're going to torture me and I'm going to die. And Thomas said to his friends, let's go to Jerusalem and die with him. Because in his paradigm, Jesus would come in and he would be in a fist fight with planet Earth. He had seen Jesus take on people with his power and his word. And if Jesus was going to die... Thomas was going to die with him in a fight. But something went terribly wrong when they got to Jerusalem. Jesus didn't get in a fist fight, in quotes. Jesus was very passive. And the events that, that came about seemed to take over. And he, this man, who was in control of every moment of his whole life and everyone around him, suddenly relinquished all control to the wicked, sinful, envious, leaders of the the Pharisees, Sadducees of the Sanhedrin, and the wimpy weakness of Pilate, who knew it was because of envy they had brought him, but he was not about to do justice because he was worried about himself and his own political career. And Thomas saw all that, and he thought, if you were the Messiah that we thought you were, you would at least do a miracle here and fight as you go down. And Jesus did not fight. As a lamb before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth and he passively took all the wrath of God and died. But for Thomas, Jesus had failed him. And people don't die and rise from the dead. And so this is what Thomas said. Look, guys. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side that they had stabbed with the spear on the cross, I will not believe. 
You can talk to me all you want, but I've got to see it because I'm that disappointed and my paradigm is that broken and shattered. Now, what would Jesus do? Is it okay for a sinful man to demand that God would do it his way? Not really. What would Jesus do? Let's read on. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, same thing he said a week earlier, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Jesus had to be smiling ear to ear, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. I want you to to notice something. Jesus did not appear in that room. And then the disciples said, Hey, Jesus, Thomas, he's got a request. And Thomas knew that. So when Jesus appeared in the room and he said, peace be with you, and immediately said, Thomas, come and put your finger in my hands and your hand in my side. He knew that Jesus was listening all week long when he kept saying that over and over, although he had not seen him. And he knew that Jesus was condescending out of his justice to say, Thomas, I love you enough to let you have what you ask because I want you to believe and be saved. And Thomas did not say, you're the God of all the universe. That would be too objective away from him. But subjectively, he said, my Lord, my God. He came to faith in the person of Christ for himself. Demons believe that Jesus is God. They don't believe he's their savior. But Thomas believed it all. His shattered paradigm was out of the way and the paradigm of a loving God who would not only passively die, but when he rose from the dead would make sure he understood that his grace included even a guy like Thomas who said, is Jesus really alive? Thomas, you don't have to see to believe and blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. The irony of Thomas's life was was really larger after this moment though because Thomas would go out and preach and the early church says he went far to the east and you don't hear about it in the bible because it focuses on the western movement of the good news but he went far to the east and many many people were converted to Christ through Thomas there is not a record of any of them ever seeing Jesus you know how they got converted by hearing Thomas Tell them that Jesus had died and risen again for them. Because this is the the truth for which I prayed would be yours and you would hang on to when you leave today. That God converts people to God in believing in him and his love and his salvation by a message that touches the heart, not an appearance that touches the eyes or skin on skin. Because people have a heart and a soul. And when God reaches into your heart, 
he says, you are lost without me and I am your savior and there is no hope outside of me. Thomas would preach that message that Christ had taken the sins of the whole world and risen from the dead and people came to faith. I say this so that you would think about your doubts. If you say you don't ever doubt, I'm sorry to be so blunt, but you're a liar. We all doubt. That's why the Bible talks about God has come to give you faith. It's a gift from God because people doubt. It's human to doubt. But if you do not believe in the God who has saved you, then you're not believing that you're a sinner who needs such great grace. Or you believe you're a sinner who needs such great grace, but that God's not big enough to take care of it. And he is, and he has. And the good news is, is he doesn't care how rotten you have been or you are being by not trusting in him. He's going to keep coming to you in your whole life and say, just trust that I have taken care of everything. There's over 500, maybe 600 people here. There's about that many paradigms through which we filter life. And every one of us has our own disappointments. And we shake our fist in our heart to God and say, you are not blessing me the way that I think any good God would bless me. And he says, it's because I've already taken care of everything. See, Thomas wanted Jesus to fight his way, and you want Jesus to fight your way too. Every one of us wants to die in our sleep after all of our friends have died, but not stay too long after that and just slip away. And it's not going to happen that way for 99% of us. It's going to be a violent, troublesome signature of how tough life is on planet earth is because it ends this way and he's already done it and if we get mad and angry that life is not going our way we're not thinking about the fact that we're in his world he's not in our world and he said in his world i have saved you for eternity and every life is moving toward eternity and in your lifetime you've heard the sound of my gospel on march 27 2016 that I loved you enough to be your Savior. Uh, Before Thomas, there were two men walking on Easter Sunday to Emmaus, and they did not believe the women who did not believe that Jesus had risen, but then they found out that he did, and they didn't believe the women, and they told Jesus, they didn't recognize Jesus, that he had not, they, they did not know what to do. And Jesus said to them when they did not recognize them, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe everything that the Scriptures say. When Jesus told a parable during his three-year ministry, he said there was a rich man that didn't believe in God, so he went to hell for not believing, not because he's rich, or else all Americans would go to hell, because we're all so rich. He said, but from hell, he said, send somebody from the dead like, like me to tell my brothers so they don't come here. And Jesus said, if they will not listen to the scriptures, Moses and the prophets, they will not believe even if somebody rises from the dead. And Jesus would be the one that would rise from the dead. Do you see what I'm getting at? God says, I wrote a book for you and I speak to your heart that I love you deeply and it's all about Jesus Christ. 
Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Beth, do you, English teacher, know who that is? I bet you know a lot more about her than I do. She lived in the 1800s. Born 1806, looked it up. Google is always right. Died in 1861. So I guess she was 55. One of the greatest English poets from England ever produced. Beautiful love poetry, love stories. Was trying to write her own Homer-type epic poem before she was 10. Her father was and mother were raising 12 children. She was the oldest, and her dad was very as a control freak. I know fathers of daughters. I've only a father of sons, but a fathers of daughters can be like this. He said he didn't want his kids to ever marry. He tried to cut off every kind of suitor that would come her way, his oldest daughter. And he was pretty successful until she was about 38. And she started a secret love letters back and forth with a man named Robert Browning. And by the time she was 40, they ran off and eloped and moved to Italy. And she loved her parents, but she had the right to be married like everyone else that God had made. And she was in Italy. She wrote letters for 10 years back to her parents. So she wanted to be reunited with them. And after 10 years... She got a box in the mail of all the letters she had ever written. And not one of them was open. They never read them and they never believed that she really loved them because she broke their paradigm. Do you understand the application as we close? Love letters. Do not, any of you, at the end of your life, say, God, I know you wrote these for me, but I never opened them because I didn't believe that you loved me. He loves you so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. You can bank on that. Yes, Felipe, Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us and giving us your word on planet Earth and help us to trust it even when it feels like we're all alone because you have designed life so that we would find you through your Holy Spirit leading us to your book. Speak to our hearts and help us to have a great happy Easter knowing that our life is filled with hope and grace and peace and eternity so that we never fall into hopelessness ever again. It's in your name I pray. Amen.